All right, guys, welcome to the latest episode of The Heat Locker. Today, I've got a young phenom here with me. Um, those that are watching this on video, I've promised this is all the clothing I'm keeping on. So this is not the start of some type of gay porn. Um, so those that are watching and hoping for that, we, uh, we're sorry to disappoint you. We're just going to be talking about martial arts and jiu-jitsu and stuff. Um, so guys, I'm still in New York. And I've been here at Henzo's training now for nearly two weeks. I actually go home in two days. And um, I've been lucky enough to meet this young Australian phenom here in front of me, Isaac Michel. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Luke. Appreciate it. So um, come a bit closer on that, Michael. Maybe move your mic closer to you. Whatever's, um, you can even adjust that if you like. See this one here? If you want to adjust that like, closer to you. Um, we just want to get it right so it sounds good for everybody. So, uh, guys, Isaac is, um, I met Isaac here on my first day, I think. I, um, Isaac was here training with Craig. If you're watching the stuff on Flow Grappling, you see Craig prepping. You've probably seen Isaac here as his training partner. And, uh, yeah, he's, the, he's that next wave of Australian Jiu-Jitsu. He's, hopefully, he's the next Craig Jones. I don't know if he wants to be known as the next Craig Jones. Yeah, yeah, that, that's not too bad. I'm training under him yeah. now, so. You happy to do that? Um um, that was a bit unprofessional of me. Uh, anyway, so welcome. Good to have you uh, here in my lovely hotel room in the New Yorker. Um, so we're just going to chat today, guys. I think it's um, it's super interesting to sort of see what you're doing. Um, I think it's fantastic. It's it's awesome to see someone following their their um, their passion and their drive. So I'm I'm pumped to um, have a chat Thank and you. Thank find you. out a little bit more, guys. Um, he's uh, he's legit. I've I've trained with um, plenty of good guys. And Isaac's right there. And um, in the training room at Henzo's, he's uh, he's got the respect of all the other guys there, which which speaks uh, volumes. Like you don't get everyone's respect there unless you're good. That, they're not there to um, you know kind of bring along white belts and just be kind to you. That that place is a, a kill or be killed room, and um, you're definitely in there doing some killing. So, Thank you. Uh, it's awesome to see, man. So um, tell us about yourself. I, uh, I mean, that's a bit of a vague question, but um, when did you yep. start? So first of all, how old are you exactly? Uh, 20 years old at the moment. 20 yep. years old? 20 years. Did you tell me today you started Jiu-Jitsu at 19? No, that can't be the case. <laughs> no, 16. 16, 16 right. Did you 16. tell me 19 today? Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that was someone else. Maybe it was. Must have been someone. No, Tarza told me that. Right. Oliver Tarza started at 20. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah. Both Ethan and Tarza started when they were like yeah. 19, 20 years old and they were already... Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Like... Doing something right there. Considering they're 26 years old or 25 years old, that's absolute madness. Um, so you're 20 years old now? 20 years when old. When does that mean you were born? Well, August. 20... Or 98. 98. 98. So 20, 21 in August. Fuck, man. So I've always been... You know, it's funny. I've always been the youngest guy in the room whether it was at work um, yeah I remember coming through as an apprentice you're like oh there's the kid there's the baby and then there's one day where you wake up and you realise that you're not the baby not the young guy anymore I'm 34 now and now I'm looking going Jesus Christ I'm like the old guy because I was about to say in 1998 I was in year 8 and you weren't even you weren't even born so <laughs> um, yeah I'm officially the old guy but uh, so 20 years old st- killing it with Jiu Jitsu when did you start at 16? 16 I started um originally from my hometown is Adelaide, South Australia. Yeah. So I was training out of a Ruta team there. Um, so I started 16, I was playing AFL first at the time. But then I dropped like kind of all other sports apart from surfing and jiu-jitsu. So yeah. then I carried on with that. Did you, because um, your first coach you said was Brazilian, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, a, he's from Sao Paulo in Brazil. 
Um, so he was a world cha- champion um, in the Brazil organization before it was IFPJJ. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and then he moved over probably, what, 10 years ago now. So then he's he's been uh, opened up a pretty successful academy now, mm-hmm. probably the biggest biggest and biggest one in South Australia now. So, yep. yeah, I, I was uh, training out of there for a while and um, got my blue belt, got my purple belt, started working there. So that, that was my first... Place where so, I started. so you were 16, 20 now. So what? Doing the rough maths was you've been doing jujitsu about four years. Is that uh, fair to say? Yeah, it's coming close to five or five. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's about normal progression. You're now a purple belt, right? Oh, yeah, purple belt. Currently purple belt. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny because like uh, I don't think it's fair to to discredit you saying I'm only a purple belt. Like in the training room, like I train with you today, and I'm a first degree black belt, and, and we went back and forwards. You know, yeah, it was really good yeah, fun. Like yeah, just back and forth. So there's, there's a lot of people. If you haven't sort of expanded outside your own gym, there's some guys who think, oh yeah, purple belts, they're just purple belts. But you know, on the world stage, we're talking the best guys. A purple belts nearly as good as some of these black. Belts. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or, or, or some- like you'd smoke, your your average, jujitsu black belt who's kind of just at an academy doing his thing, one hundred percent. You know, like I just watched a match that you showed me before. That was against like one of Australia's better competitors and he's a black belt and you know you guys had a super close match where he just got a decision like yeah, a ref's decision but at the ADCC trials um, which is interesting because from there you know you could have gone on to probably go to the final against Lachlan Giles yeah that would that's what I was hoping anyway um, but unfortunately I yeah, got out on the quarterfinals yeah uh, referee's decision but yeah. Uh, yeah looking forward to for next next trials next year so is it next yeah yeah so I think they yeah, have one right. every year they have one next year, yeah, and then they have another one the, the year. second one, yeah. Yeah. and then the, the actual finals are every two years. Yeah. So those that are listening that don't know what we're talking about, um, ADCC is the is the Olympics of our sport, effectively. Yeah. Um, anyone who's anyone in jiu-jitsu wants to win. That's that's most the one. prestigious. Yeah, that's the one people want, and the way it works is each region has trials, and. Um, the, uh, we're in the Australasian region, so we kind of compete against Japan, Japan Australia, Kazakhstan. Yeah, a bunch of different weird countries. And um, unfortunately, these trials were in Japan. Otherwise, I, I would have come out. I would have definitely, I mean, if they're in Australia, I would have yeah, definitely it was nice. Yeah, it was a nice trip to Japan, though. I've never been there before, so yeah. that was awesome to see, see Japan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping, and um, you know, I'm not going to give anything away too much, but I'm hoping they come back to Australia and uh, hearing yeah. good things about that so mm-hmm. um, uh, fingers crossed yeah. those listening we get them back in Australia so it was in Australia for a little bit it was the last trials I did were in Australia that but was 2011 yeah. not many people showed up it, not as many but 2011 Jiu Jitsu hadn't quite exploded how it has now yep. um, I feel like the M- MMA hadn't quite exploded or was just exploding and then it took a little bit for Jiu Jitsu because Jiu Jitsu jumps off the back of MMA a fair bit mm-hmm. you know you get a lot of guys that are like oh I like this UFC stuff um, I might do jiu-jitsu I don't yeah, want to get they, punched they, in the face. they see some jiu-jitsu in the MMA yeah. and they think that's cool yeah yeah, and that's kind of what happens so I feel now there's so many more people doing jiu-jitsu you know the level in Australia is definitely quite good we've got good guys for sure so you know we don't have as many people that's the thing here that I noticed with the states I mean they've got 350 million people We've got 25 million people. Exactly. So I think for our size, we, we, we pack a decent punch. Yeah, John was mentioning that uh, yesterday as well to me. He was saying, like, even in the Olympics, we still get some good good um, results there, some gold medals in the yeah. swimming and some events. I mean, the sub-sports e- yeah. we dominate, yeah. Even though we have a much smaller population. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the Americans are definitely, whatever they put their mind to, they go big and they do yeah. it well. Good worth ethic. 
yeah, you notice that with them. Like, you know, the reason you and I are currently here in New York is because of that American drive to just be better than everyone else at everything. And, yeah. and they've applied that to jiu-jitsu as well. Absolutely. I mean, a, 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 a non-Brazilian hadn't won anything at the World Championships forever. And then I think like last year... Two I Americans. I want to say like there was a few... Well, there was... In the black belt, I'm talking. There was... um. Well, Gianni Grip, no, that wasn't the. I'm trying to think of the No Gear Worlds. Um, won, Mikey Gian- and Jamil Taylor. Gianni Grippo took out gold at the Worlds, wasn't it? No Gear Worlds, I think. Oh, No Gear Worlds? Mm. Yeah, I'm mm. thinking of uh, Gear Worlds. Oh, right, yeah. You got Hinger. Hinger took out the. Yeah. Um, I think he took out the No Gear Worlds as well. Yeah, that's true. What I'm getting at is like, back in the day, if you weren't Brazilian, it was kind of like you didn't really know what was going on. Absolutely, yeah. And I feel like that's that tide is changing. Changing, yeah. Yeah, which sure. is kind of exciting. Starting with Americans, but then hopefully the Australians are making their way in we'll next. Get there, man. Well, people like you know, like you and I and Craig are coming here, gathering information. The information is not just going to be delivered to you. You have to go and earn it. And, and yeah, and absolutely. Hopefully, fingers crossed, Craig does well at ADCC in three months' time in September. Yeah, fuck yeah. Could be our first Australian champion there. Man, so he's got the under-88 division? Yeah, under-88. It's an exciting division, but Craig's competed against a lot of those guys now too. Yeah, Keenan, he's competed against uh, Mateus, I think. Yes, yeah, Mateus yes. he competed against. Um, I mean, Craig falls into that category that um, some of us other guys who focus very heavily on submission grappling, um, where if you get a guy who plays that rule set against him and wrestles, it can be hard. Like, we've seen it even happy to Gary Tonin. Gary Tonin's the best submission grappler maybe in the whole world other than than Gordon Ryan like you know he's unbelievable but uh, you get guys stall and they play the game and they play the points I hope Craig doesn't run into that with anybody like Craig's wrestling's definitely improved substantially so I'm very interested to see how does Craig go against you know someone who plays that stalling game doesn't give up a takedown you know if he pulls the guard they kind of stall on top that's going to be interesting because Craig's a a nightmare underneath for anyone too. Yeah, for sure. You definitely have to have a, either a very aggressive guard um, in this rule set and just Slide keep it. That mic a bit closer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, aggressive guard in this rule yeah. set and keep attacking and yeah. be relentless with that. So you need good cardio to if you're going to be yeah, playing guard. And also, I think uh, sit up wrestling is very important for ADCC rules. So mm-hmm. coming up from your guard and starting to wrestle on the single and double legs. So hopefully he starts doing that a bit more. Well, it's interesting you say that. So. I, uh, I've heard Craig talk about that in interviews before. I spoke, we did a podcast with Jason Rao um, a couple of days ago, and mm-hmm. I said, what's that next progression for jiu-jitsu? And he said exactly that, that coming up and wrestling, blending wrestling with the submissions. Oh, and yeah, the grappling absolutely, more. yeah. And um, I, totally, I totally agree, and I think you have to be fit to do that. Nikki Ryan did it perfectly at the trials. Oh, yeah, Nikki the, did a great the, job. Um, West Coast trials. Yeah, very aggressive guard, um, playing his frames and then heisting up and uh, mm. just constantly attacking them, using the legs and then the upper body. He did a great job, yeah. Well, they don't get a chance, they don't get a chance to breathe. Perfect like, style for they're that. They're used to, some of these guys are used to on top being able to kind of just, you know, thumb post, stay away, keep their legs away. Mm. If you come near them, scoot back, move, try and knee Just being them. athletic, really, yeah. a lot of the guys there. That's right. But then, because... Passing someone's guard who's a very aggressive leg locker with with dynamic submissions, he's like walking into a bear trap. Oh, so these guys, if they're not training with guys like that, they're terrified to put their legs forward. So you just got this game where they've got their feet behind their hips, you know, thumb posting, or they go to their knees and do the same thing. And if you're not implementing heisting and level changes as a guard player, you're just gonna you're gonna find you're gonna sit there, and you're gonna finish a match where nothing happened. I've had it happen to me multiple times, and I've got the shits that he didn't engage. 
and nothing happened. You know, I think as the guard player, we have to take an onus now to force the engagement. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what Nicky did. Yeah, yeah. John does a really good job of teaching us to like get rid of the frames and getting under the frames to then start coming up into legs, either entering like an ashy position or coming up to wrestle. So I think, yeah, John's definitely got an answer for what a lot of the other guys are doing just to, to win by points or to win by a yeah. takedown at the end of the, the six minutes for ADCC. Well, we have to. Otherwise, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And John's a very smart man. So John looks at that and goes, okay, this is what people are now doing. He, ca- he created such an offensive system and guard that people don't want to go near a man laying on his back. Like, that tells you a lot. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, what does that say? These guys who are literally world champions in jiu-jitsu will not engage to try and pass the guard because they're worried about mm. something happening to them. Whether Absolutely, Whether it's being swept yeah. or submitted or put in a bad position. I mean, so kudos to him for creating such an offensive weapon. But in creating that offensive weapon, it's changed the game where now they, they don't want to engage. So then the next step is, well, if we're forcing people to not engage because we're so offensive, how do we then engage them at that next range? And that's yeah. what he's doing. A good example of that is just this week we had a few uh, black belts from other academies come in that have fought against Gordon and that just recently in No Gear Welds and stuff. And even against John's purple belts, they didn't even want to engage. They were just thumb posting, backing away. And then they even apologized afterwards after, oh, sorry for not engaging in the role. But, you know, you should put yourself in those uh, situations, especially in training, um, and get better and then actually start fighting each other, doing some jiu-jitsu. Or maybe extend the mic a little bit just so it's close so we can hear your beautiful, beautiful voice, mate. Yeah. Um, For those that are just listening, uh, we're going to have women all over our YouTube page now. This kid is uh, like a male model. Um, And we'll get to that later. I think that works well for him in life. He's he's doing very well for himself, but I'm not going to give everything away yet. Um, So back to your jiu-jitsu, right? You started at 16. Did you just start in the adults class? Yeah, I started, like, so I was doing AFL, like footy, and um, I, I would love playing midfield, so I'd get the ball and I would love tackling and then, like, getting in and under, and that was sort of my style in AFL. But then I started getting in too many fights, and I'd get red carded, so then I thought, oh, you know, give, give like, some sort of, like, grappling a shot. So I went to the academy, and, I, and as soon as I did it, I, like, really loved the style of it. Yeah. I loved the competition of it. and um, The physical contact. Is, is something that draws a lot of people. Uh, yeah, for, for sure, it was good advice for me just to, to get out to a to get out to training and then let go of all my energy mm-hmm. instead of like um, I, I just enjoyed it more than footy as soon as I started doing it. So yep. then I started veering off to to jujitsu there. How did you find going from you know a team based sport to a sport where it's all on you? I mean, there's still a team in jujitsu. We all we're all buddies, but you know when it comes time to compete, it's <coughs> you out there by yourself. Yeah. I I liked it more because I didn't like the feeling of being out in a full team and then everyone, you know, if you drop a drop a drop the footy or you you kick off center or something like that, then you're responsible for that for the whole team. But when it's just yourself, you're responsible. You're responsible for yourself, and you just got to go out and you're by yourself. I think I I like that more than being in in the team environment. But I do like a team environment of a jiu-jitsu academy, like. Yeah. Yeah, when you work as a team or even close out of brackets and stuff like that, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I love that aspect too. People think it's an individual sport, and it is when you compete, but if not for your team, you literally cannot compete. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, you know, say, say you do tennis, you can pretty much have a coach, hit the ball back and forth with your coach, 
you know, you're not relying on a team as no, such. No, you need a team. You need a team of different guys giving you different looks and different body types and, you know, a coach giving you implement and all the different... There's so much more to it than just... And I think um, maybe that's the side of it people don't see as much, you know. Yeah, and yeah. something I've been noticing uh, recently is like a team will have uh, a certain style. Yep. So like here... Um, the blue baseman is that everyone sort of has a similar style where they're yep. attacking using the same systems and everything mm-hmm. and then that's kind of like it, where they're from generally you could kind of tell noticing on their style yep for sure yeah. that's and that's and then the exciting thing especially as a coach right especially for someone like john mm. he's then seeing how that style matches against someone else's and then he i think he effectively uses each match like a, a science experiment and he goes all right um you know this particular team actually have something they're doing well that's defeating this particular part of our game. Oh, yeah. I'm going to adjust that. Like he's like a mad scientist. I mean, people don't need me to tell them about John Dunn. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm I, like I said to you earlier. You've made a fantastic decision choosing to come and train at uh, train here. Oh, I couldn't be happier with yeah. coming to this team here. Yeah, yeah it's been great so and, far. And the other thing is, John's taken a liking to you, which is fantastic. See, yeah, yeah. John doesn't give out. We were talking about this earlier as well. If you are coming along here wanting John to give you a pat on the back and give you a good job, buddy, every time you come on the mat, that's not what this mat's about. This mat's about the best guys in the world trying to get better at strangling and breaking each other's joints. Mm-hmm. Eventually, <clears throat> especially due to the nature of how it is, they have a lot of visitors come in. So not everybody on the mat is going to get FaceTime with John Danaher. He's not gonna. He's not gonna come over and say, "Oh, mate, I saw you doing this." That's not how he operates. Yeah. So for you to get to a point where he's accepted you and, and sort of taking you on as part of the team, that's that's fantastic, and that's gonna only, you know, raise you substantial levels. Like. Yeah, it's absolutely, and it's it's up to you to come to all the training sessions and mm. do the extra one percenters as well, like resting, recovery, eating right, sleeping right, all of that stuff. So it's like a, almost like being. A, like a college sport or something like that. Like you need to be mm-hmm. showing up to class every day. You need to be studying and all of that stuff. So mm. it's it's more professional than, than other academies I've ever been to. So yeah. I like that aspect as well. Well, there's also a, there's a bit of a track you can follow. I mean, there's other guys there that are literally doing that now as their full-time career. Like when I started, so I started jiu-jitsu 15 years ago. It was 2005, 14, 15 years ago, right? You were, how old were you then? You were uh, eight? No, 98. You were seven. Seven. Yeah. So so I started doing jiu-jitsu when you were seven. Put that in perspective. Um, definitely no one was making a career out of jiu-jitsu then. There was like a couple of federation tournaments around. Um, anyone that was making any money of it were fighting mixed martial arts. You know, yeah. Really, and it was only the UFC. And even then, the money wasn't. Not good. Fantastic. No, yeah. not at all. Um, now, there's guys legitimately making Thank good God. livings between between competing between sponsorships between seminars dvds that's right so so for you you know there's actual there's there's now someone's bashed through that bit of bush and you can follow through which is awesome so you know that's what i sort of mean you're in the right place um to to do it so you turned up so let's talk about like how did you end up coming to new york because you've come to the u.s what once before this time yeah it was a funny story so originally training out of um arita in adelaide i was training in the gi much more so we were only doing two no gi classes a day so i had no idea about leg locks and stuff like that we two no gi classes a week you mean is that what you're saying yeah yeah a week sorry and um yeah we didn't do heel hooks or anything like that so no really leg locks and um yeah had a very ipjj style game like passing position over submission basically Mm -hmm. um because yeah, I was like coming from that environment. I thought I'd 
want to win Gee Welds. So then uh, when I was like 18, yeah, I went to... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to um, Team Lloyd Irvin yep. in Washington, D.C. Yep. Yeah, very good. They have uh, current currently two... Uh, well, not now... M- Muhammad Ali and Jamil Taylor. So yeah, they're two, two, yeah, two champions from Black Belt. Um, but, yeah, anyway, there's lots of good guys. DJ Jackson out of there. Lots of um, younger purple belts that are doing really well. You know what I like? I like how you make the distinction of it, Black Belt. Because nowadays, every man and his dog's a world champion. Like, there's white belt world champions. Yeah. And I'm not trying to discredit them winning those tournaments. But because belts are at the discretion of coaches, you can have people who are... A, purple belt world champion but he's like a black belt level yeah sometimes you know? on people's instagram buyers yeah. it'll be like 10 time world champion but maybe they wanted a blue belt yeah. purple belt yeah and i kind of so i like how i like to make as far as i'm concerned um i by all means all those belts should be able to compete but i think calling yourself a world champion i think it should be reserved for black belt but anyway yeah. that's that's i like how you make that yeah, yeah absolutely um yeah so i went there and i was i trained there for just over a month and that was super hard like they the super athletes over there and they train very hard how and how long ago was this um what, two years ago now or no a year and a half ago now so you were a blue belt then yeah I was, I was yeah i was i just got my purple i think okay. yep. yes because i competed at purple belt worlds lightweight and that was super fun, and I got to hang out with some, some cool guys there, and um, and then started taking jujitsu more seriously when I when I did that. So before I left, I, I was working as a pool service mechanic. So I finished school, nice. got a job as a pool service mechanic, and I was driving around all day cleaning pools so you all day. Were literally like the blue eyed head <laughs> with my pool boy. stick. Yeah, yeah no, nah, that was alright. <laughs> tell us some stories about that. There would have been some housewives. Oh no, I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. And uh, yeah, that was super fun. And um, I worked through the summer. I saved up a bunch of money, and then went to Washington D.C. So I bought my. F- Actually, I, I I finished training one night, and I thought, "Fuck, Worlds is coming up," and you know, I don't feel like I'm at the level to win it yet. And um, I was in bed, and I jumped on my laptop, and I just bought a ticket to America for that morning. Nice, I like it. So I was like, "Fuck!" Like, for ne- the next morning. For the next morning, I was Jesus, like, "Fuck! I need to I need to get there. I need to start working." I like it. I was like. I was like, fuck, I'll just buy a ticket. I'll go over there and make it happen. So I bought a ticket. Like your visa waiver, like everything would have been, was everything difficult due to the fact that Oh, the visa waiver for US, I knew it didn't take very long to get. So I got that and um, I got, no, so I got that before I bought the ticket because I knew I was going to go over there within a certain time period. But then I bought my ticket and I told, I walked into mum's room and said, mum, I'm just going to go to US for a bit tomorrow (laughs) morning. Um. I'm just gonna pay my bags. She's like, "Fuck, all right, no worries." So she's used to you doing shit like that. Yeah, like yeah. Well, you told me when you were 18, you went on like a tour of Canada down to South America in a minivan or something. Yeah, me and my mate bought a bought a van and we did. Uh, well, we started in America, did Central America for three months, just surfing and partying for a little yeah, okay. bit. Um, so your mum wasn't surprised when you went in and said, "I'm going to the states." For a- yeah, she wasn't happy, but um, yeah, shoot. She supports me, so which is pretty cool. Like yeah. she obviously wanted me to go to university and do that sort of stuff, and I was like, after school, I was like, oh, I just want to give this a go. Like I think I have like some good potential to mm-hmm. to make it in the sport. So I went to America and I rocked up. I was like, oh shit, like <laughs> what have I got myself into? And I remember rolling with Muhammad Ali first roll. Because you're not even, you know, it's funny. You're not even of legal drinking age in the states. No, no, yeah. I'm like a little kid. Yeah. yeah, and I was in uh, Maryland, like Oxen Oxen Hills. It's like a black name. Yeah, I was like the only white guy I saw the whole month I was there. And people, like, in the States, it's pretty standard because there's, like, 
African American people everywhere. But in Australia, we don't have that. So no. like, it's it can be like really. It's like, geez, this is totally different. Yeah, yeah. To what I'm used to at home. Yeah, I swear. Like every day, I would get on the bus to go to to go to the gym, and they're like, "Are you lost? Like, do yeah. you need help?" Or I'd go in the supermarket, and people would just like look at me like, and "Yeah, robbed or killed." Yeah, but I was alright. I did alright there. Um, anyway, I rocked up and I was rolling with Muhammad Ali and he just jumped up and flying triangle with me and he's so, super heavy, like 110 yeah. kilos or something like that. Oh, so he wasn't taking it easy? No, no, none of them take it easy. So, so like, you didn't know anyone the- there? What made you decide that that was where you were going to go to? Uh, because the reason I went there is because my uh, gym in Adelaide, um, Aruda team, so that's affiliated with Gigo Academy and Gigo affiliated with um, Team Lloyd Irvin because right, okay. they had a few Brazilian kids that are very good. Right. Uh, Mayhan is one of them. He's a uh, brown belt now, but purple belt. Yeah. He, he um, got a lot of good titles, won Pan Ams. Mm-hmm. Um, so we affiliated through them. So through their coach, I talked to um, Lloyd Irvin and got got in a gig right, sort okay. of that so way they kind of when you rocked up they kind of kind of knew kind of I was kind of just some Australian that rocked you're up you're still just a gringo but yeah gringo yeah. guy but that was a good experience I liked that and then I competed at Worlds and my first round I had a match up against last year's uh, bronze medalist in the purple belt lightweight and um, I was surprised like I didn't I thought he was going to be really good but he wasn't that good like I was like doing well against him I won that first round nice. second round was another like well known guy he was pretty good and he put that's the thing it seems to be like when the Aussies get to the Worlds we get like terrible draws I don't know whether that happens yeah yeah not, not all the time yeah, yeah. It's like you, you get the world champion they don't want bracket. us to start winning as yeah, well as Americans yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, oh my friend you yeah. know you go against world champion <laughs> Next round, I went against this uh, American kid, and he put me in a uh, worm guard and oh, just no. held the lapel so tight. And There's a special place in hell for people that use that, just so yeah. You know. And uh, we were actually practicing step outs all all camp because Tim Spriggs was going to be versing Keenan, and so I was I was actually practicing that, and none of it works for me. He was just holding that lapel for the whole round. And so frustrating. Yeah, he ended up winning by advantage or ref decision. I can't really remember. Um, because he set, set it up and he almost got a sweep with that as yep. well, so he got advantage for that. Yep. Um, so then I was out that round. And I was like, "Fuck! I just spent all this money, yep. all this time. Yep. Didn't even win. Yeah, Fuck. It's a nasty, it's a nasty bitch. Jiu-jitsu doesn't care about, and that's why I find generally there's a lot of guys with really healthy egos because of that. Um, you know, some of the guys without such healthy egos, sometimes they're guys who haven't competed, haven't actually tested themselves, and they're kind of behind their little castle walls of not really knowing where they fit in the whole scheme and yeah so i take my hat off to guys that are out there competing because that's that's um something special you know yeah yeah, yeah for sure especially dedicating like that to go and do a big tournament and then but you know what so what you like what, what time you were 19 then i suppose yeah yeah, yeah. and then I, w- I went back to adelaide and um i was talking to adam jones which is craig jones brother yeah and he's he's telling me mate you gotta start just doing no gi just no gi take off the gi get rid of it burn it thought fuck all right had you done a lot of no gi no not really not much because there's a certain there's like two types of guys the guys who just will not take that gi off even go to bed at night and then there's guys like me who real like realistically if i wasn't teaching in the gi i teach a couple nights in the gi because i've got my academy Mm -hmm. if i wasn't teaching in the gi i I would never put my gi on i would never if you say to me what what is your choice i'm we're gonna be doing no gi right now i'm a bit i'm the same you become like that now yeah yeah Yeah. because um, it's a different. It's the. I often say it's the difference between like rugby. Are you right? You're comfortable. Yeah, just my joints. Yeah. I've got terrible joints now. Um, jiu-jitsu problems. Yeah, jiu-jitsu, yeah. Um, it's the difference between like rugby league and rugby union. They're two different. 
they're sort of similar, but they're not the same thing. They're not the same, not the same and all, techniques. Like, if you want to compete at a world level in the gi, it's a totally sub different subset of techniques as opposed to competing at a world level in no gi. Yeah. Like, it's not gone to the days where it's like, oh, you know, I take my gi off and I win the no gi world. Yeah, good, ex- good example doing. would be Craig against... Um, uh, Gabriel Archers recently oh. in Grapple Fest. Yeah. So Gabriel Archers is absolutely murdered. Yeah, it's yeah, world champion in the yeah. gi and everything. And then uh, it was just he could tell he he just didn't know what he didn't have an answer for Craig's techniques and in, in the no gi sub only submission grappling yeah. specialist. And he showed that Leandro Lowe is a pretty good example again. Like yeah. uh, didn't have the answers for the leg locks and mm-hmm. Craig got a break in his knee early in the round there and then strangled him. Strangled him. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So, so you made the decision to to switch out of the gi and into, you, you know what? And I'm not, I'm definitely not hating on the gi either because guys who have come from a, a gi background, if they've had good coaching, I definitely find they have good fundamentals as far as passing, passing, positioning, positions. Good. Yeah, like the guys who are actual competitors, like there's definitely some good things that come out of it. Yeah, I agree. And I I teach all all of my fundamental sessions are in in the gi, um, mainly because I want. I think when you start out, the gi is a very positive thing. You should learn to not be able to just spaz out of stuff and use, you know, crazy athletic. You don't want to learn to have to use jujitsu. But um, I think as you progress and you kind, of, if you decide that you want to favor no gi, you mm. have to train in no gi. Yeah, and uh, that's exactly what Adam t- was telling me, Adam Jones, and then Craig was telling me the exact Did same thing. You want thing. water or anything? Or are you okay? No, I'm good. I'm good. I Thank you. So then, yeah, Craig told me like if you know, I think it's a good idea just to focus on no gi and. You know, you can do well in that if you just focus on that. But if you're trying to do too many, there's only a fair, f- there's only a handful of people that can actually do well on both. Like Keenan, put uh, hats off to him. He yeah, does, phenomenal. he does well in gi yep. and then takes it off, and he has a completely different style, but yes. also does well in no gi. He's a smart guy. Yeah, he he's good like that. But there's not too many other guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. He's the outlier. yeah. So then um, from there, from there, I wanted, I was there was a few competitions that really got me going the no gi scene the australian grappling championship so that was like the first sort of like good or decent organization that they put in for no gi sub only so they were making it 20 uh, minute matches with the ebi overtime rule set so that yeah, yeah they did an eight-man bracket i think for that so i did that um and i won that one against some some pretty good nice. names in in uh, adelaide at least is that the one so was Jeremy Skinner in that bracket? Or yeah, so I've first Jeremy as well in that bracket last time. Let's you not talk Jeremy? about that. <laughs> is that a bit sensitive, is it? No, nah, it's not really. He's Jeremy, he's a great. Jeremy, listen to this. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 a really good kid and he's he's awesome as well. For and those listening, Jeremy's another one of kind of the Australian prospects. Yeah. I was going to say he's a pearl belt. I think he's a brown belt now. Yeah, he's recently got two really good wins. One against Camille is Weeks. He brown he's brown belt now yeah, yeah. under Lachlan Giles. Yep. Yep. Camille Weeks. He recently. Uh, got the submission over and he got a nice Aoki lock on yeah him. and he on Polaris I Polaris think yeah, yeah which his is his first time on Polaris show. and he killed yeah, it so he did and then came into um Grapple Fest Grapple Fest and um and beat Frank who we know well yeah. from from the from the squad um Frank Rosenthal yeah. who's legend absolute monster like yeah. Frank is Frank is a monster he's a he's a black belt he he's been destroying everybody just and, um, one rise invitational here yeah, in New York. He's like, yeah, yeah, I think he's he actually defended there. his belt, didn't he? He defended yeah. the belt there. Yeah, he's um phenomenal, and they had a really close match. Actually. Yeah, it was um, very back and forth match there. Referee's decision, uh, judge's decision. Uh, yeah, it went down to the, judge's yeah, decision. Yeah, yeah. so you know it's fantastic work by Jeremy. He's, yeah, um, Jeremy came through actually over in my neck of the woods, like he came through in the Sydney scene. Oh yeah, yeah, he's from the um 
I want to say like Central Coast Newcastle, like Newcastle Way, just which is like two hours north. Of yeah. So he moved to Melbourne yes, to, to train, train with to train professionally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so MMA. There. He kind of did what you've done. He decided he wanted to do jiu-jitsu professionally and yep. he moved out of his small gym he was always good right Jeremy and I have competed three times um, as grappling industries came along and there was finally a platform for guys like us who two leg lockers there, yeah yeah yeah. well I, I remember the first um, the first time we competed right it was grappling industries it was the um, absolute open weight advanced and um, I've been watching this kid just heel hook and everyone I'm like fuck who's this guy like I, I've um I didn't, you can't give yourself nicknames, but I've been uh, knighted with the name Leglock Luke. A lot of guys call me that just because I've been doing them since I was a white belt. Yeah. Like, I've always been into leg locks before they became before they became cool. I was actually into them, which was kind of nice to be on the um, on the bandwagon. Yeah, absolutely. Then. Yeah. And so I was kind of known for my leg game, and I'd, I was getting a bunch of heel hooks. And when I saw Eddie this, Cummings was competing a lot then. Yes. Yeah. 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 This is even bef- yeah even before then. Um, I think Eddie started in like 2013. Mm-hmm. Eddie was still late to the game. But um, Dean Listener. Dean Lister, there you go. He was my Dean Lister was my idol. Dean and Imanari, they were the they were the only guys really then to look to. There was just no one else. Yeah. Danaher was working his stuff, but it wasn't. No one really knew of it like we know now. Yeah, I think EBI really brought out. It, yeah, the that was there. the that was the light. And um, so I see this kid submitting people on the legs. And I'm like, Jesus, this this might be, this is going to be interesting. You know, I was a so I was a black belt. I just got my black belt. So this was about three and a half years ago, and um him and I met in the semis and I thought okay with this let's see how this goes this kid's good and um lucky enough I've competed with Jeremy I got him while I was young and I actually got him in a 30 second heel hook hope you're um hope you're listening Jeremy <laughs> um I sat in there but he was very green like yeah. I don't I wouldn't be able to do that to Jeremy now um but uh I don't know you got me it's a pretty tough time today in the yeah, in the blue basement you don't have to make me feel good <laughs> um yeah, so I was lucky enough. We've had a few matches. And the long and short of it is the kid's been good. He was yeah, he always showed awesome. promise. Um, it's just the same thing. Like if you're at a little gym and you haven't got the the training partners, not that there was anything wrong with his coaching. He was at a good gym. But um, sometimes you also just need a bunch of people. And especially if you want to prepare for submission grappling, you've got to have a coach who is dedicating solely to that type of grappling. Yeah, it's much, much harder to get better if you don't have the training partners yeah. there with yeah. you. And so. that comes back to that team thing, you know, like even though it's just you going out there, if you haven't got your team putting you in all these and asking you those questions in training, you're going to get out there and a guy's going to ask you in competition, you're not going to have an answer for it. Absolutely, so, yeah. That's the beauty of that training room down there at Henzo's. We're literally, what, four blocks from Henzo's. It's like if we walk, oh no, actually, where am I? I'm trying to think. It's like this direction, block four blocks that way. We're at the gym. Um, th- there's such a dynamic game there that you're not going to get to competition and be shocked by anything. You know, you might get a guy who hits a pass on you because he just hits a good pass, yeah, but you're not going to be shocked by anything you come across. Yeah, yeah, lots of visitors as well, lots of like yeah. well-known people. You guys yeah. from the USA come in like yeah, I mean, every uh, week. It's really cool. On the mat really this cool. morning was, well, just like the mat this morning was Neil Magny. Neil Magny's, I think, about a 15-fight UFC vet. Yeah. Um, you said Damian Meyer was in the room the other yeah, day. Yeah, he was in there. Um, you know, a bunch of other UFC yeah. guys. Um, Neiman Gracie trains out of there. Trains. And then outside of that, you've got like Gary Tone and Gordon Ryan, Nicky Ryan, um, Craig Jones, yourself, Jason Rowell, Nick Ronan, Frank Rosenthal. Yeah, yeah. Um, what have we got? Um, Damian Anderson, T- Oliver Tarza, yeah, Ethan John, Cream, John was Cream telling Steve. me before um, 
the UFC Connor Connor fought Khabib. They were both down in the blue basement getting in some rounds. So I know Khabib went down. Did Connor go down? Did he? Yeah, they were in there at the same time across oh. the room from each other. Oh, actually, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. John was telling I'm me the story there. I'm actually surprised about that. Yeah, so there was some bad heat. There. Yeah, this was before they fought and everything, so that it wasn't as bad. But um, Khabib and Connor both went rolling, but they had their their kind of their like teams, yeah. their teams on the match training with everyone, and um, Nikki was absolutely slaughtering them. Apparently, so they were a bit shocked by by this young guy. They thought they the were. were. Yeah, yeah. We get like a ton of like UFC guys in that. I think they get surprised by like the the, pur- the, the yeah the purple belts even yeah. and the brown belts just like like I said in that training room. If you walk in there and you think you're a black belt, and you think that's going to get you to win training rounds the colour of your belt means yeah. nothing there's going to be purple belts in there they're going to put you in positions that yeah. if you're not ready for they're going to submit you yeah it seems like everyone's getting as good as each other all the time so yeah. it never really feels like you're getting better here yeah you've got to calibrate you've got to now that's also probably a good mindset is not to get too far ahead of yourself but you've got to remind yourself you've got to calibrate and go oh wait a sec if I was training in some other room I'd be just absolutely slaughtered yeah. or you go to competition and, and you just have an easy time you know yeah and John gives us some really good techniques to work with and he's always like developing us so the whole room's getting better all the mm. time and everybody's like no one's staying at the same level everyone's getting yep. better together so yep. it's, it's hard to tell how good you are sometimes because yeah sometimes you're, you're doing really well then some other weeks you're not doing yeah. so well so yeah I mean and this is something I think for everyone to learn in jiu-jitsu even guys just training at a, at a, at a normal academy is don't measure how well you're going day to day Oh no! Yeah, the, the the graph needs to be. You know, I can look back over the last month ago. Okay, I've yeah, I've got better. It's only substantially, but I've got better. If you look back over a month ago, I've got worse. Well, there's something wrong. There's something wrong in your training. This either you're not applying or you're not receiving the right coaching. But as a general rule, I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I've progressed more since I got my black belt than any other time in my whole jiu-jitsu career. Like, I keep looking back each two weeks, and I think, geez, I would beat myself up two weeks ago like if Luke now went against two weeks ago Luke I, I'd beat that guy yeah, I yeah. think that's important you it's, see that in the, the good thing room. about jiu-jitsu is like you're forever learning you can forever yes. gain more techniques right, and everything like right. yeah, I think some guys right. are just training jiu-jitsu and they don't like there's plenty of guys that I you know trained with 10 years ago and I go and do a training session with them and and the game hasn't changed. Yeah, like, you got to yeah. have the right mindset and want to get yes. better. And you got to do the extra little things to get totally. better for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, anyway, back to my story. So, yeah. I've got back from America. Yeah. And I was in Adelaide and um, I did this AGC competition. And that sort of got me going in the nogi scene once again. And then I seen Craig was doing a seminar in Thailand. So, he was doing a week-long leg lock seminar. So, his brother was, like, going there. So, I went How with... did you come across his brother? How did you guys end up meeting? So, Craig's... Uh, and his brother originally oh, from Adelaide. yeah from Adelaide okay. so his Craig moved to Melbourne to train at Absolute just to get in better training uh, f- well, quite a while ago now but yeah his brother was still in Adelaide so his brother's now a purple belt but he's he's uh, very very good and we were starting to train together like he's from a different gym but we we're cross training with each other and like we became quite good friends so he was going over to Thailand to do his brother's seminar so I went I went there with him and. Um, yeah, had a great time. Learned learned some leg locks finally. So Is that was, the first time you'd met Craig, or you knew him before? No, I knew I seen Craig before around the scene, like coming into competitions and things like that, yeah. and um, spoke to him a fair few times. I remember seeing him. Uh, our gym put up, put up a competition called Synergy, 
synergy and um we get we get some money out so f- craig would fly over and and do that take yeah take everyone's money bloody Asshole. he's not that nice one yeah but anyway um so I, I knew him a little bit and um but when i went to thailand got to know him a bit better and stuff like that and uh during my time there i met um uh, a canadian guy named justin and um me and Adam and stuff, we were fortunate enough to st- like let Justin let us stay with him while we were staying in Thailand. What, and did you have accommodation? No, I didn't. Didn't have accommodation, but I, I thought I'd figure it out I'm when I got there. Bit, yeah, I'm starting to work a bit of a pattern with you. <laughs> yeah, There's yeah. Not a lot of foresight goes into things. No, just, let's just worry about today. Yeah, I'm always just jumping in the deep end, okay. just making yeah, action. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I should start planning things more a little bit. Look. I'm the opposite, right? I'm a guy who plans absolutely every move I ever make. But the guys who are killer competitors, especially in a, a crazy sport like this, and same with mixed martial arts guys, they've got that attitude you've got where it's like, I'll just worry about yeah. what I want to do right now. So, you know, don't curb it too much. Yeah, just go, go, go sort of thing. Yeah. And um, anyway, I met this this guy named Justin and we, we hit it off and became good mates. And, and then he was opening up a school in Canada. Just... I don't like to butt in, but where were you actually planning on staying in Thailand if if you didn't oh. have like Thailand's a fucking yeah. Bug, I mean, like, there's there's definitely cheap places like okay. Like, you were just gonna work yeah, something yeah. out. I could like yeah, okay. work something out sort okay. of thing. I still had a bit of money because I was working at a hotel by the same. So I quit quit the pool job okay. to go over Got to America, of, um, having sex with beautiful housewives <laughs> and. No. Nah. Moved out of that, right? And um, so I, was, I went into the hotel business. So I was hotel receptionist and I wore a suit. After nice. training, I would dress concierge. up in my suit. Yeah, con- uh, uh, no, better. Receptionist. So oh, that's better than Separate concierge, concierge team. Okay. Yeah, well, one above them, oh, actually. Okay. I always thought reception. I would have put reception below concierge because I thought concierge was like. Well, we got to wear the ties and the suits, whereas uh, they just got to wear their red red jackets. Ah, right. So we looked a little bit more gotcha. proper. You were the gangster. Yeah, yeah. Right. And we had, to, we had to speak. And we didn't get tips either, which just. They where got you, tips. Where, where was this? Back at home? Yeah, this is a, a, like a pretty nice hotel right on the beach at Clonelg okay. there, the Grand, actually. that's the thing with America, right? Um, this tipping bullshit. Yeah. Like, have you worked it out yet? I mean, nah. I can't work out who I've got to give what money to. Everyone wants a tip for everything. And it's My like, maths has gotten better because I've had to start working it do out. Do you tip everybody? Mm. Well, you only tip people who do like things. Yeah, if they do a, a, like something for you, like a service, like a wait your table or something, then the, yeah, they definitely get okay. a tip. But if you're just ordering something, I think they don't get a tip. Like, you I'll gave a tip today, yeah. Shop. No, I don't think you're... Well, oh. maybe a coffee because they made the coffee. But if they're just passing you a packet Such or a something... Thing. Why don't we just work out, yeah, like yeah. Australia, let's just work out how much And it the is prices and on everything is not actually the prices. Not so. including tax, yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's not get started on anyway. stupid America. Um, so, yeah, so you're the concierge of the... Uh, oh, sorry, you're the reception boy. At the reception hotel. boy. So yeah. then, yeah, saved a little bit of money anyway. I was in Thailand and uh, I met this guy, Justin, and he was opening up Academy in Canada. And um, I was rolling quite well with some of the black belts there. There was a, black, a few black belts from uh, California and stuff over there. And I was doing quite well in, in the camp, just like would learn a few techniques and then we would all roll every day, which was so much fun. And um, how did you find, I've trained in Thailand once when I was on my honeymoon. I just, I found it really, I was worried, I'm a bit of a germaphobe. I found like I kept worrying about getting staff or oh like, yeah like it just i think i got staff. so humid and yeah, yeah. Get staff. yeah i'm pretty sure yeah. i got staff yeah because like i got home and I, my leg was like up. elephant yeah yeah, yeah you got staff. yeah definitely did got staff. antibiotics for that i did get antibiotics yeah. for that you yeah really, my, really sick, my leg was pretty jacked yeah yeah okay so that's good to hear yeah. um yeah so he offered me a job to start working at this academy in canada 
So I was like, all right, good opportunity to get closer to America. Oh, hell, you're like a cat <laughs> on your feet. Because we're not even at the best part of the story yet, people. But anyway, and, keep going. And um, yeah, so I got back to Adelaide and I was training a bit more. And I was so happy to learn some leg locks finally and start doing that in, in training and, and stuff you, like that. Like, especially at some of these gyms, if you just know a little bit of information, everyone would have been coming to you as like you're the new, the new messiah for yeah, leg yeah. locks, right? Yeah, yeah. it was great. Yeah. <laughs> And um, anyway, so I told mum when I got back from Thailand, mum, I'm going to go to Canada. I'm going to start. I'm going to try to live over there for a couple of years, so, so, you know, see what I can make happen over there. So packed, sold my car, packed my bags, sold anything I could, like some of my surfboards and stuff. Yeah. And uh, packed just like a suitcase and a backpack and flew. Oh, actually, I got a gig on Grapplefest. So I first flew from Adelaide to Liverpool in England and yep. I competed my first like good yeah, competition yeah it was on show. flow grappling yep. yep and it was really cool because I had um, Lachlan Giles and Craig yeah how did that come about did they organise that for you uh, no Adam helped me out with that so Adam Jones helped me out with that because he knew the um, the guy who runs Grapple First Chris right. so uh, yeah because there definitely seems to be a connection to absolute in there because a few of those guys are obviously yeah yeah there, so yeah. now yeah there's a little bit of connection yeah. and they don't mind flying over just because there's no tournament like that there's no organization like that in australia yeah no. so yeah yep. they don't mind flying over um yeah to england to do that mm-hmm. so um from adelaide i actually went to absolute for a month and lock and giles let me train um at the team there which was awesome yep. and i was staying there I met some really cool people over there, like Bobby and Sam, and uh, I was training with Craig, and and uh, that was and Jeremy as well. So that was really cool to be to be there. And then from there, I went to Grapple Fest, mm-hmm. and I competed my first uh, like good good competition there. So it was a super fight, and I won that one by heel hook. So I think Craig was happy yeah. about that. Nice. And then uh, from there, was that your first was that your first win by heel hook? In- that was my first win by heel hook. Yeah, it was very satisfying. Yeah, yeah. It was awesome. And then. Um, I went to Canada. So Justin flew over to to help me compete and, and support me there. And then I went back with him to Canada. So Justin's your sugar daddy. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's an awesome guy. And he, he supports any, anyone in jiu-jitsu. He often, like, likes to give money to um, up-and-coming athletes, like, yep. in MMA and jiu-jitsu. I remember. Is like a, what is he, like a big businessman or something? Uh, yeah, he owns... He owns um, a roofing business one of okay. the Canadians like better roofing businesses oh, right. and okay. stuff like That's that awesome. so yeah he, he works hard and then he likes to go What's to Thailand for a while can you shout it out or yeah you know? roofing yeah but what oh what you don't know the actual name of his business nah okay I don't know he probably doesn't need sorry mate yeah. he doesn't need any help from our um, nah he, he's alright he's doing alright listeners and then <laughs> yeah and then um, we'll get more than that we'll yeah more we'll, than we'll get more than that and then uh, from there I got there and Craig said I'm at the blue basement now. I'm training at Henzo's. Come over if you can. So, from so you get to, you get to Canada. Yeah, are, and to be honest, when I went there, there wasn't as much jujitsu as I thought there would be, and there was just a little bit more of a party town there. It was like it was uh, London, Ontario, yep. so it was known as a university town. Yeah. So I was kind of like got on the piss a little bit when I was there like oh, I wasn't as, I wasn't training as much as I would have liked to especially yeah. like that I've just come off a pretty good win as mm-hmm. well I wanted to um, like just keep training more yeah. and more like and that's the thing if you're a young guy in any of these whether it's mixed martial arts or, or, or grappling 
you've got to resist going out and partying and doing that because oh, yeah. the guys who you're going to compete against aren't doing that. Like, I don't think Nicky Ryan's out. I mean, he's only a kid anyway, but you'll find most of these guys aren't out drinking every no, day. Yeah. They're at home sleeping, getting ready yeah, for training yeah. the next day. Yeah, I've had to sacrifice it, like partying a little bit, but yeah. that's, that's you good. You know what? It's, I, I, look, I don't think it's the worst sacrifice. No, it's you know? not. There's plenty of guys, they get into their 30s and they've spent their whole 20s drunk and, and, and off their head. Yeah. And I don't think... They always look back off on fond memories of that. You're going to be able to look back on tangible things. You're going to have experiences like you're having now or like big accolades of things you've won. So there's a lot more to that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the payoff's pretty good there. Yeah, so um, yeah, I took I went over to Henzo's and... Um, so you're doing a teaching gig in, in, in Canada? Yeah, so I was teaching a little bit over there, which was awesome. I love teaching and that yeah. was great. I was also teaching at Aruda on just one night a week, yeah. the no-year class, which was awesome So as how well. long were you actually in Canada for before you decided? Oh, yeah. I was probably there like three weeks or so. Right. And then I went over to Henzo's. Did you have to say to old mate that had brought you over, look, I'm going to go and train at Henzo's? Yeah, but he, he, me and him are really okay. good mates. And so he, he yeah, that. he's really good. He wants like the best oh, for me great. in my career. So he knew that I would be getting in some good training. And Craig yeah. was over here at the time. And he was he had Casada trained for. So I wanted to try help out with that as well. So um, yeah. went over here and I got to meet everyone. So I met John and... And, and then how long ago is that now? If, like, so that was so that now is, um, what are we in now? July 2019? When was... Uh, what are we in? Three, uh, three and a bit months ago. Okay. Three and a bit months ago. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah, somewhere around there. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, I got to meet Nicky and he was awesome and Ethan and, and uh, all these guys. Mm-hmm. and uh, Damien's another really good guy and yep. Andrew. And you know the beautiful thing is they're all around that same size. Yeah, they're that all lighter guys, difference. all younger yeah, guys, all purple sort of belts. 160, 170 yeah. pound range, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then obviously like uh, Gordon and um, Gary Tynan was awesome yeah. to me. Like he treated me real nice, and yeah, the the group was the atmosphere was amazing, and everyone was just there to get better, and yeah. everyone took it like professionally as well. Mm. Everyone was there taking it very seriously, as well as having fun. Like yeah, so yeah, and I was learning so much as well. So um, was that the first time you trained under John? Like, had you did you realize how good he was, or you kind of turned up here? having people tell you he was good but then you actually sat on a class and went oh fuck I get it now. yeah yeah so my first class he just dropped so much knowledge yeah. it was like a seminar he just yeah. dropped so much knowledge his like, depth of um, his depth of understanding is like no one else but then his ability to explain to you pretty much when you go to drill the technique you, he's, he's giving you a very good outline of the situation the problem we're coming up against and what we're doing to sort of deal with it like yeah. He, he gives teaches. us a lot of concepts as well yeah. that we can He doesn't just build. teach moves, put your hand here, do that, because people don't remember that over time. Yeah. 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 You're right, is your back a bit stiff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. And uh, what, one thing moves. he does is he teaches systems. So yeah. he'll teach like yeah. three or four techniques yeah. that go with each other, which is awesome yeah. I mean, as yeah. well. So, so yeah, when you have that first moment of actually, like nowadays, people are probably experiencing that through his DVDs. But for me... I didn't experience it. How did I experience it? So I, I experienced it through. Um, he came out and did a seminar years ago in Australia, mm. now. and once I, once I sat down, I already knew I wanted to. I'd seen his body of work of what his people were doing. I was trying to emulate what they were doing just from watching EBIs, trying to work out what they were doing, and I'm like, "Geez, this guy's fucking unbelievable." And then once I did that seminar, I was just sold. I was like, "Yeah." this is the guy that I want to base my direction yeah, on. Yeah, I had the exact same um, feelings yeah. as well. Yeah, when. It, 
when I first like started learning more and more, I was just like so keen to just keep learning what John was teaching because it was working when I was training as well. I had was changing my style a little bit to to how John was teaching, mm-hmm. and I could just saw myself improve and, and I was doing things that he was teaching and it was working so well. I was like, I just got to keep doing this. Yeah. And um, yeah, a few like a week in or so, um, I meet. I met. I got a girlfriend, Smilly. Like, so I met a girl this here. Is the part of the story that shocks me. This is this is you falling on your feet once again. Yeah, so yeah. So you're in you're in the US. You got no job. You plan on doing jujitsu full time. Yeah, Where yeah. were you even living initially? Uh, I was just staying in in Brooklyn somewhere. Yeah, it was a bit how you going, but it was alright. It wasn't too bad. And yeah. um, yeah, I met a girl, Millie, and she's a legend as well. So yeah, so things just came together pretty well. And um, did you meet her at a club or something? Where, where do you where do you meet? Nah, so I met her just on like instagram or something um when i was in washington dc like that time i was in team light urban Mm -hmm. so we just had each other on social media and then when i was flying in here i I think she's seen my story i've seen her story in new york so we kind of messaged each other like oh hey what's up how are you doing sort of thing and we we met up and then yeah we're like love blossom yeah (laughs) love blossom nah (laughs) yeah so yeah then yeah we really liked each other so that's been also amazing since i've been in new york so things are really coming together and uh Nikki's Nikki's taking me like um, letting letting me stay at his place on the weekends and I'm down going down to Jersey training at Gary Tonin's gym occasionally which yeah. is awesome as well. <clears throat> Gary's like so fucking good. He's amazing to roll with yeah. and um, he he's just awesome already. Yeah, he's like he's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and a cool just a cool dude. Too. Yeah, cool guy as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so then I was like staying there and um, yeah, met this girl which was also good. I was going back to Canada. A little bit just to to teach a little bit as well so i was making a little bit of money through mm-hmm. doing that and stuff like that but yeah the the goal was just to stay in uh new york as much as possible train with the boys there and yep. um that's what i've been doing so far so i've got everything set up and now i'm looking at getting a athlete visa mm. so i've got a l- yeah how does that how does that work so because otherwise whatever after six months you've got to go home is that how yeah it so i'm pretty sure you can only stay in the country for six months within yeah. a year three months at a time that's basically what craig's doing yeah so that's what would be on like a tourist visa so 90 days yeah. um yeah so craig's miso is american so oh, that's right so i think yes. he's he's doing he's something right. with that so he's all right through that um so but for me you know, my options are athlete. Like the best option would be athlete visa. So yeah. I'm just. Does that give you a couple of years or something? Yeah, so three it? years it gives you, and you uh-huh. can also work off that, which will be good because I'll start teaching uh, more here and yeah. doing some other things. Where Where would you see yourself doing teaching? Um, so I have uh, a friend who's who was a black who is a black belt under John, and he's planning to open up academy in Brooklyn. Yep. So I think I know the guy yeah, yeah. So that Doug. yeah, like, mini yeah, Doug. Yeah. It looks like Doug. Yeah. So that'll be opening up soon, and he's already asked me to be Perfect. yeah, like coach coach there. So when that comes up, that'll be great. Um, but until then, I'll just look at other gyms. But yeah, at the moment it's fine. So everything's going well, and yeah. I've got people supporting me as well. So. Things are coming together beautifully, and um, yeah, couldn't be more happy to be here training. And uh, John's John's been amazing to me. So yeah. yeah, that's important. Like if if John didn't see anything in you, it would be irrelevant. You could come in here and hit your head against the wall; it wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. make any difference. So the fact that he's seen talent in you, is, yeah, him and Gordon and all these guys have yeah. made me feel real comfortable. Yeah. And because even though they're awesome guys, um, they're not just going to accept everybody who walks through the door yeah, like yeah. we said there's so many people coming in you know it's funny they've become like low level stars especially in the jiu-jitsu scene oh, like um, sure. they come in they're superstars in the jiu-jitsu scene 
so there's people coming in, snapping photos every day with them. Like yeah, yeah. They get they get sort of like even Craig can't like sometimes yeah. we walk down the street, people are asking for photos, especially yeah. at a jujitsu event. You can't take a few steps without being stopped. But yeah, yeah, it's getting bigger and bigger, which is very exciting. Yeah. One so day, one day a bunch of um, sweaty dudes <laughs> want to get photos with <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, too. yeah, can't wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, the jujitsu is getting bigger and bigger, and yeah. it's one I one of the more faster going. growing sports in the world. So I think it, like for younger athletes, it's going to be easier as as time goes on. Mm. Um, and the people are paying more for competitions and everything like that and yep. DVDs everyone is getting on that mm. online techniques which if you're not already buying online online DVDs it's a very good option like people are putting out uh, some and giving their yeah. whole life's work that's yeah, the yeah. thing that shocked me with Danaher his life's work of technique he, he's giving to people yeah. like anyone that ever complains about the cost of those things can go and jump off a fucking oh, bridge oh absolutely because and there's no excuse anymore not to know things you can't say oh I don't know leg locks because yeah. my coach doesn't teach me now it's online it's at your fingertips yeah. now so yeah it's phenomenal um, that's crazy man I, I think it's I think it's super cool what you're doing like it's I love how you've just gone fuck it I'm gonna do it yeah and you make, you, you're making something of it so what's the next tournament I think we were talking about a um <clears throat> A 16-man bracket or something maybe coming up? Yeah, so I've done, um, since uh, my last tournament, I've done Grapple Fest number six. Yep. So I had another super fight against a pro MMA fighter who was a brown belt in that, and I uh, won that one as well, just playing more more of a style between, I did a style between Craig's uh, Z-Guard sort of thing and his mm-hmm. leg locks uh, entries and then John's heisting game from Half Butterfly Guard. And yep. Yeah, just putting my game together now and um, just developing myself and getting better, which is which is awesome. And I'm looking at doing. Uh, I could possibly do the next grapple fest again and and just try to get better, better opponents until I start versing yeah. like some Sunday more well known names. And uh, the hard thing is a purple belt is you're going to get a lot of black belts stalling at taking a match with you because yeah. they'll look and go, "This kid's good. Do I want to lose to a purple belt?" Yeah. Like, so that that's going to start to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, you know that's going to be tricky trying to get guys to have matches with you absolutely you get to yeah. a point where it became, I mean Nicky Ryan really ran into that for a bit now people just know how good he is where yeah, guys yeah. are taking he's matches. beat some really good guys yeah, now yeah so. yeah phenomenal um, I'm looking at doing Kasai which will be here in yeah, August that's, um, that's I mean realistically it's it's probably the big one of the biggest um, ones around now yes, and like EBI has gone quiet or they're doing the slap jitsu yeah. now so it's not the same I think yeah, the size is not the now. same yeah because size is amazing really good money behind it really professionally run mm. and that um, tournament is the best too yeah um, yeah because size does really well yeah um, and until then I'm looking at doing any tournaments that are coming up like I, I really do like the the 16 man or the A man tournaments where yeah. you have a few matches mm. and then you get crowned the winner at the end I think that's like and, and yeah, up. and yeah. sub only. Like the rules are always generally really good with those tournaments as yeah. well. Um, yeah, there's, in, there's literally money to be made. I mean, like yeah. the next one's like two and a half grand US. That's like a hundred million dollars. Yeah, Australian. all these organisations over here, they're willing to give you money. And I yeah. see them. I see um, competitions all the time, and they're giving the winner, you know, a, yeah. a, a fair bit of money, which is great for for the younger guys as well. Speaking just of that, to I, keep training and stuff I've like got that. A super fight coming up. I don't think I'm getting paid any money. Plus oh, mate. <laughs> Yeah, mate. Sort him out. I'm going to be calling you later. Yeah, yeah. On the uh, co-main event on this 25 fight card, I want ten thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, look, I, I personally, I talked to you about this before. I'm competing purely to um, push the name of my academy and show my guys that I'm competing and test myself. Yeah. I'm not competing for my own like ideas of glory of like doing big things. No. Nah. Um, 
but uh, it's so good to see guys like you that are just planning on, you know, hopefully like next time. So we've got the ADCC finals in, what is it, October? Is it October or September? Oh, which ones? The ADCC finals. Yeah, that's September. Yeah, Last so weekend of September. Up. Two years later, there'll be the next lot. I feel like hopefully yeah. that's like, imagine where you could be in two years. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully that'll be your... Yeah, and this year we got three Australians in ADCC. So we got Craig Jones, yep. Lachlan Giles and Kit Dow. Yep. So that's exciting. Actually, to four Australians, I think. Oh, um, yeah, and Liv, Liv, Liv. Liv Giles as well. You've got of course. Um, the dude from... Um, Gracie Hormata in Sydney. Yes. He won his yeah, trials. I forgot about that one. We've got Dennis Roberts. We've got shitload of Australians in there. Actually, Dennis Roberts won the heavyweight. He's a buddy of mine. Um, I just went to the trials. I should have known this. Yeah. 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 You went to the trials. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the Aussies did well. Oh, we, Ben. Ben as well. Ben oh, Hodgkinson. Yeah. 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 He, he did got, really he got well. Golden ticket. He got that yeah, weird one. Yeah. The special ticket. The special golden. Submitted uh, everybody to get there. So. Yeah. So he, he did really well. And that was in the eighty-eight, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was eighty eight. He had to cut a lot of weight for that because yeah, he he's, he's very big, tall. He's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. He walks around about hundred kilos. Yeah, he's, at least he's big. I um, so he's going to be in Craig's bracket. Mm. I, you know they what, fought before. You know what I've heard ADCC do? I think they match up teammates at least in the second bracket. Yeah, so they'll match them up in the second round. Yeah, yeah. Um, my buddy Dennis trains out of um, Kayatera Academy, and his worry was that well, Yuri Samoy is in the same bracket, so. Yeah. He's worries that like they'll match them up in the second round. Yeah, but I, I think yeah. you know, like they compete and whoever wins, yeah, is the better I person know, on the you day. Know, you always would be like, "Geez, you'd like to do more damage yeah. against the other people." And if we meet in the final, fantastic. Like it kind of sucks to kill one of your guys off. But the problem is, too many of these guys get to the finals and do this bullshit of closing out brackets. That's what's caused that ADCC refused to have that happen. Mm. So they make the brackets to stop. Yeah, I happening. think if you get to the final with a teammate, like you should just fight and yeah. The better person on the day wins, sort of thing, and accept yeah. that. And yeah, I agree. It's it's yeah, it can be weird. I had a match. I got it was just a grappling issue. He's one of me and one of my people built end up the same. We just played around and mm. didn't really do anything. But um, yeah, it's kind of it's it's if you're both competitors, yeah, I think go at it. And yeah, go especially it. if it's a final. Yeah, Ob- obviously, like I'm not. You wouldn't try to break your yeah. your friend or anything, your mate yeah, or something. Right. But uh, still, like yeah. You know. Well, um, Gary Tone and Eddie Cummings had a match. They on had a match. Yeah. Yeah, they had a match on EBI. Um, Gordon and Gary were both in the same bracket. The one where um, and and sa- same as like uh, Nikki and Ethan, they were in the same yeah. brackets for the trials for ADCC. Yeah. And well, they're going to get matched up for sure in the second round. Yeah, or Tarza is in the same division as actually. So Nikki moved up to seventy seven oh, kilos because right. yes. yeah, he keeps getting bigger. Yes, you're he keeps right. getting bigger. Well, he's so seventeen at the moment, isn't he? Uh, he just turned eighteen. Did he just turn eighteen? Yeah. So, I mean, talk about phenoms that that kid is. Yeah. He's, really, really good. He's so technical. Yes. So technical. I'm excited to see. Yeah. Him. There's been a lot of talk behind him, and I'm really excited to see where he goes. Yeah. So, um, we have Stay a we him. have a friend Nick who's a who's a very good. He's only actually a blue belt, I think, or maybe purple belt, but he's very good. And Did he come from Marcelo's cabinet? Yeah, I think he originally. I think I know the guy you're talking about. Yeah. Like, like Arab-looking dude, like dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, he's he's now Henzo. Sorry so he's about doing, the horns you can hear. Yeah, the they're very loud. The Americans. Here's the thing. That's weird. Like, have you noticed this? The fire engine could be like going to put a fire out, and cars won't move for it. From mm. like the cars just sit there. Like yeah. in Australia, we just get out. Beeping their horn just for no they'd reason. They just sit there, and like block the fire engine, mm. won't even let them through. Anyway. Yeah, people yeah. love beeping here. Yeah, they thing. Um, yeah, so yeah, he, he's he's amazing, but he's been taking us through like a, a 
a strength workout so we're now oh, okay. we're, we're lifting most days yep. so yep. we're trying to like put on a little bit of muscle jacked. there yeah get jacked everyone wants to be on that gordon ryan jack yeah yeah big and muscle. yeah these guys work so hard like training twice a day and then lifting every day it's, oh, yeah. it's incredible yeah. the work ethic all these guys do is yeah, yeah absolutely incredible it is it's phenomenal well they're professional sports like sportsmen and women like they, they are yeah. yeah yeah i think it's important to do everything you can so you got to sleep right eat right lift yeah. train like do you, stretch. Have you work out how important sleep is yeah sleep's very important especially but, for growing and putting on muscle and yeah. things like that yeah. have you listened to a podcast do you listen to rogan's podcast uh, are you talking about the sleep matthew walker yes i've heard that as well yeah. listen 100 percent. and then yeah. matthew walker also talks to dr Rhonda patrick have you heard her, of her no i haven't heard that so one. she's she's one you want to listen to with rogan she's been on him about four times yeah. but he does a um, podcast with her her podcast is called Found My Fitness and she talks with Matthew Walker he's got about another two and a half three hours talking to her listen to that like it's once you realise how important sleep is it's as important as your diet and your training if you're not getting the right sleep it'll you, you can't operate yeah. like there's legitimate studies behind it mm. and um, when you have to wake up pretty early to get to training yep. for the seven seven thirty session yep. and yep. then we're gonna make sure you get that sleep in somewhere. Yeah. I yeah. see some of the guys resting in between the seven thirty session and the twelve thirty session. And stuff, yeah, yeah. And then have another nap if they do a nighttime yeah. session. It's good but it's not quite the same like the no. uh, he talks about a few things but it's like quality is important, quantity is important. There's a few things. It's not just, you know, grab what you can yeah, when you but can. Definitely seven, seven, eight hours or not. Yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Mix that with good diet. Smart training, recovery. I'm going to talk... Um, so much good, bad food here, though. Oh, well, it's amazing. I just think their food's rubbish. I think their food's rubbish. I'm not... I, I Like Australian food, have you noticed Australia, we have lots of cafes with good coffee, and you're going to a cafe and have like bacon and eggs mm. on toast. That's not a bad meal. Absolutely. Try finding like... Avo, avo, Yeah, try toast. finding that here. You go in, the bacon's all like fatty, crappy yeah. stuff. Everything... Everything you buy, they want to offer you extra stuff like, do you want potatoes? Everything I get, they want to offer me potatoes. Mm. I'm like, I just wanted an omelette. What do I want potatoes for? You can see Yeah, the quality of food is not as good as Australia, the, for the sure. Quantity, they just want to give you huge Yeah, they amounts. want to give you a lot. Yeah. But they also do some like good, bad food, like burgers and things oh, like yeah. that. No, like, you're right. Good fast had, food. Oh, my God, dude. I had the best pizza. So, I like pizza. Yeah. I had the best pizza it's like I've ever so had. so big. Out at... Um, out at Long Island, where near one of Matt Serra's academies, yep. Jason took me there, like proper Italian pizza joint. Fuck man, Jason Real, yeah, yeah, Jason. Geez, talk about he, that he's guy. a subject to talk about, yeah, something we, uh, special. Yeah, I did a podcast with him. He's he's this guy who fucked me up. <laughs> not every fucks everyone up. Not everybody in the community would know who Jason Real is. Now he's no. becoming more known, but not everybody knows. Like if you said, um, you know, you say Gary Tone, you say people, oh yeah, I know. You say Jason Real, like. Who's that guy? Yeah, yeah. Jason Rao is like in a team full of in a, in a room full of absolute fucking killers. He's right at the pointy end, and and like it happens all the time where like you know guys come in black belts from other places and they come in they're spazzing out and trying to trying to kill everyone, and like John will sort of give give Jace the yeah. uh, the look unleash Jason. Jason. Jay, unleash unleash the Rao, yeah. and Rao just goes over there and fucking nicely does them. it though very very oh, nice. He'll tap him like six times. I've never been manhandled. I mean, I've tr- I trained with Gordon once, but he's just so big. But I've never been, like, technically destroyed by anyone like yeah. I have by Jason Rand. Yeah, he would compete at 77. Yeah. Like, to, to not see him at the ADCC finals is a travesty, I think. Like, yeah. um, he had his trials. He, like, first lot of the trials were the um, 
with the East Coast. He had there were six matches to win. The division was like seventy something deep. He submitted five guys, all submissions, smoked his way through to the semi uh, to the finals, and then lost just against Sativa, who like played him on points, hit a takedown when he needed to, and then stalled on top. Yeah, I think like, I think sometimes Jason doesn't compete as well as he does in uh, when he's training. Yeah. But he's he's so knowledgeable he's and so he's got good. Once very good jujitsu. Once his um game gets to where he's competing the same way as he's in the training room, everyone's fucked. I'm, yeah. I'm saying like and unless they game the rules and somehow score a point on him and then stall, like yeah. everyone's fucked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'm really hoping, I never hope anyone gets injured, but I'm hoping that if something happens to anyone, that um, that Jay gets a, a call up to the finals. Yeah, yeah, I think, right I think he would, would yeah. be able to get that too. Because, um, you know, he's, he's phenomenal. He's been, a, he's been instrumental in my game um, changing from, yeah. from being just your average jiu-jitsu player to, to once again very sub player. sub submission orientated Sub- grappler yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah everything's about I don't think we would see him at our IPJJ Nogi Worlds no he competed as a brown belt in the Nogi Worlds but I think he might have like lost by an advantage in the semis or something yeah, like, but, you're going to get guys who play the rule but if you give him you unleash him with open rules yeah time. like Kasai event we'll see him there again for sure yeah he's on Kasai you know who was perfect for him it's a shame that, that the EBI has gone away from what they used to do oh yeah because as far as I'm concerned EBI was the best grappling tournament EBI that existed was, EBI was definitely the best and Man, it did so, so much for Jiu Jitsu it's a shame that it's uh, such a shame they've gone away it became from uh, combat Jiu Jitsu like but I, did you know that girls are still regular Jiu Jitsu are they yeah yeah it's just and I love Eddie for creating that, right? Eddie created it. It's called the Eddie Bravo Invitational. Yep. I love him for creating and giving that outlet. I just wish he wasn't forcing the combat jiu-jitsu because it's like if people want to watch combat jiu-jitsu, they'll watch it, but still give us the opportunity to see the best grapplers go at it because the, the combat jiu-jitsu is a different thing. It's a different sport, and it's it's not the same high-level grappling. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's a bit different with the slapping and, yep. and stuff. And there's a lot of these high-level jiu-jitsu guys that aren't going to take a match where maybe their nose gets broken for no reason and... And now they, you know, they can't keep competing. Like, yeah. it's it's like this weird hybrid between MMA and Jiu Jitsu, and it's kind of attracting. It's kind of attracting like a different kind of group. It's it's unusual. Yeah. Um. I I wish they brought back that because like that Jason Rowe at EBI would be. Oh, he would have killed he would, it. He'd be sure. an EBI champion, yeah. I think. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, man, what else are we gonna talk about? Uh, I think I was mentioning the future. of competition so then yes. uh, yeah apart from that grapple fest six i did um future ones yeah try to get on because i've been talking to the guys there and also i've been talking to the guys at polaris awesome so yeah, another, yeah another really good show. probably get on one of the undercards coming up there Fantastic. on polaris polaris is an awesome event once yeah, again really look good. after the competitors it's and on ufc fight pass yeah because that's the other thing it's about um getting your name out there as well and if yeah. people can watch it on fight pass the people are going to see who you are so yeah, that that would be good, and um, we got Craig Jones next Thailand leg lock seminar. So we'll be going Great. to the, yeah Great. Thailand again for that, and then after that will be no gi welds. Well, breaks your leg every, yeah. every day. That'll be, be that'll be good. Yeah. Um, I was when's, when's, that? Uh, when's his next? Um, uh, that's in October. That? So October. I think it's like a be after the world. Yeah, a week or two after ADCC. ADCC yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I was. And then when we get back from that, we'll be training for No Gi Worlds. They're uh, December, aren't they? Yeah. No Gi Worlds? Yeah. Are you going to do No Gi Worlds? Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, go to, I'll go to ask Gordon um, some advice for the rule set yeah, there. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, play play the rules there so yeah. I don't have the 
the ath- more athletic guys just stalling and yeah. not engaging and things like that. Or, or like half a knee cut pass into half guard and get an advantage. Yeah. Block, block down and nothing happens. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. pretty we'll excited. over by the rules. Yeah, that, green yeah. Go, that's the thing. Yeah, I've been, I've been uh, fucked over a few times. Yep. you got to learn, like, 50-50 is a totally different thing. In the training room in here, you you'd go to 50-50. With heel hooks, it's a totally different beast to without heel hooks. Mm. Without heel hooks, it becomes this kind of semi-stalling, exchanging of sweeping yeah. position. Like, yeah, it's, it's a totally different thing. Yeah. I mean, that's... People complain about 50-50 in these federation tournaments, and Gordon made a good point recently. You solved that by adding heel hooks. Yeah. 50-50 can't be stalled when you when there's heel hooks. Yeah, you know, that's a very good point. You can't yeah. just sit there and fuck around. Because exactly. your leg's going to get broken off. Yeah, but uh, yeah, apart from that, yeah, just um, enjoying getting better. Like, I'm really grateful for, for the opportunity to be here, training with the team. And yeah. uh, Craig's been taking me under his wing. So, yeah, grateful for Craig as well. He's yeah, been doing yeah, a lot for Australian Jiu Jitsu yeah. as well, yeah, coming off some, some totally big wins great. as well. Yeah. Um, we got, uh, he's got another match. It's on Grappling Industries as a super fight. Um, yeah, no time limit match against. Is it DJ Jackson? No, it's not DJ no, no, Jackson. It's not DJ Jackson. Who is it? It's a big name, Gilbert Burns. Gilbert Burns, that's right. Yeah, who's, so, a, who's a monster? Yeah. I've got respect for that guy. Yeah, he does he anything. Gi, no gi, MMA. He's, um, he's a very athletic dude. Um, he's very good. Uh, Jason Roush competed against his brother. Is Gilbert Burns in ADCC? Good question. I think he might be. He I'm might have got sure. an invite. Yeah. Because I don't think he did the. He would have to do the Brazilian trials. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, his brother's good as well. Jason broke his brother's leg in half. Right. Um, and Mateus. Uh, what's that? Was it Mateus? No, no. J- uh, Jason had Herbert Burns. Oh, yeah. He broke his leg. Because a lot of these Brazilians won't tap to the to the heel hooks. Um, yeah, get put a bad bad pop on him. Um, no, Craig Craig broke Mateus Lutus's leg. Mateus just refused to tap. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Craig had a match against him. They ended up going to a decision. Craig got the decision. Yeah. But um, Craig put him in an inside heel and popped him. Um, that's why Mateus couldn't do the world. It's like Mateus just did the same thing at Kasai last week, uh, last weekend. We got put an in inside heel, refused to tap. Just kind yep, of looks off. I saw that distance, one. Yeah, refuses to tap and then and then um, you know jumps back on top. He's just a savage. Yeah, like, he's got to wait till he gets a bit older though, and then. Uh, oh no, it's not a smart idea. No. But I suppose as a competitor, you've got to re- realize um, there's going to be guys who are going to just flat out refuse yep. to see why they've got to strangle them literally unconscious or you've got to have such strong baking yeah, breaking it seems like even arm bars like as the high levels get on just like yeah you've got a good system well guys getting... are happy to take a pop on their yeah, arm yeah. less guys are happy to take a pop on their knee some of these savages don't care but I think if you've got like like Eddie Cummings breaking mechanics where I don't think there's too many guys that'll take like pops over and over definitely Eddie's pop guys where they haven't tapped but I feel I feel like that's an interesting thing like you know, in the training room, we're used to guys kind of tapping, and then you get in a tournament, and there's a guy who doesn't. You know, what's going on, man? Like, do you want me to snap your leg? Yeah, in the training up? room, it's it's ridiculous yeah. sometimes. Mm. It's it's an interesting thing, um, but uh, it's exciting. It's exciting things for you. So, have you got any sponsors or anything like that? No, I've, I was sponsored by um, Keiko Sports for, for while yeah. I was in Adelaide, but then yeah. um, I left them. I wanted to get like a, a new sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked to a, a lot of brands like back in Australia but yep. it's actually going to help my athlete visa if I'm sponsored by American okay. American brand so yep. I've got to start reaching out to a few um, we'll get you sponsored by Nike just something small yeah something yeah like. yeah, Nike or something yeah, yeah that'd be good yeah, yeah so you know the problem with, with uh, jiu-jitsu sponsorships like I've had people 
Uh, I'm not a big competitor, but I've had people approach me, right? But, um, you know, they're willing to offer me a couple of rash guards and some geese, and I'm like, that's, that's, that doesn't help me pay any bills. It doesn't help, like... At least, at true. least, I think a sponsor should pay for registration fees, mm. especially like if you're going to be competing on IPJJ yeah. in the key or no key, then I mean that's very expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah the registration fees are not yeah. hundreds of dollars. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah it's tricky because you know they've got to get value for money, but it's kind of like you know yeah. everyone's a sponsored athlete now. You've seen on everyone's Instagram, oh, I'm a sponsored. Everyone's sponsored yeah. by someone. Some of those are just one ra- one rash guard and yeah, some shorts. Right. Though, that's so exactly right. That's, it's yeah. not the same. Like you, you realistically like the direction you're wanting to to head. You eventually would like to be where someone can pay you some type of money as a yeah. like your retainer, and, yeah. and also, but like I think if someone sponsors me, I want to dedicate a hundred percent to them. Like if someone sponsors Hell me, help market their brand and everything. Yeah, like I want to be like hundred percent on board. I'm going to be doing social media. I'm going to be wearing that. I want to believe in their brand. Mm-hmm. If someone's just paying you with like one rash guard, you're not, not going to really do yeah. that. You know what I mean? Like how much you're going to get back from exactly. that? Exactly. Um, and I understand like these smaller brands can't afford stuff, but hopefully someone can can help you out. Yeah. Um, someone that's I mean that'll happen but you first you're going to have to make you make some big waves which you're on your way to doing that I think you're definitely making some um, ripples at the moment I reckon some waves and, and that's what Craig's done like Craig's Craig's legitimately making fucking title yeah, waves yeah. nowadays even like, um, yeah he's got a few mentions on Joe Rogan podcast I reckon he, he yeah. should jump on that podcast I think that'd be perfect yeah yeah. yeah. That'd I, be well, good. Joe Rogan will be listening to this so um, Joe, get him. Yeah, if you listen, get him on. Yeah, yeah. On the and then me next. Yeah, a hundred percent. Craig Jones on there would be perfect, and he yeah. talks about him all the time. Yeah, yeah. And Americans love Australians. Yeah, they do. They like Australians. Yeah, yeah. They think we're British for some reason. Yeah, they, they when they try to do an accent, oh. comes out. Yeah, they're very British. Yeah, they're hopeless. Yeah, but they think we're British. They, 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 they. You go to the store here, and they're like, "Where are you from?" Yeah, you from from London? Yeah. That was almost Texas. That yeah, I can only do yeah, southern accents. Southern. I'm not good. I can't do. Uh, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Um, um, but that's look. I hope you. I hope you pick up a. Oh, thank you. A yeah, sponsor yeah. or something like that, man. That'll be. That'll be. Um, well, I gave you a rash card. I'm yeah, one of those thank you. Thank you. you. I'm, I'm one of those scumbags giving you a rash card. But I want nothing in return. I just no. gave you that because I wanted to. Do yeah, well. John. John got the same rash card actually, and all three we of us. We actually all repped it today. Repped it. How often do you come into the um, blue basement and John Danaher is wearing a Sydney West Marshall yeah. uh, rash card? That was cool. That cool was thing gangster. to see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I got to put that photo up because that was cool. Yeah. Had um, John talking to me about Luke um, yesterday actually as well. He was very impressed by by what he was doing. That was pretty cool because. Um, like I said, he doesn't really... He doesn't say anything doesn't unless he much, means it, yeah. And he doesn't really... It's not an aerator, that's for sure. No, and if you're a dude who just rocks up for a couple of days, he's he literally doesn't care about you because what? how could he? He couldn't care about everybody that walks yeah, in that room. There's new guys literally every day. every day. There's like, what is there, 60 to 80 people training in the room yeah. and a lot, there's like people blowing in and out. So, you know, you can't expect him. But uh, for a guy who like dedicates a lot of my time to studying John watching videos on him trying to work out his mind it's nice to actually kind of show what i'm doing and, and him go okay that's not terrible you know that yeah, was yeah. cool. excellent um, work luke <laughs> yeah he actually gave me a good was it excellent work or good job i forget but it was um yeah something that i'll uh, whack off two days <laughs> for the next um yeah for the next week or so um but that was pretty that yeah. was pretty cool but yeah i mean i've man i put my whole life into this like i I, I do this into as a the academy. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not I'm not following the route that you are as far as um being a competitor, even though I am still competing. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to make a really positive, happy atmosphere academy, but also I don't want to just be a place that oh yeah, it's a nice place to go, but they suck at jujitsu. I want people to be like yeah, that place 
they do really good jiu-jitsu and it's a cool place to train. That's like, you know, that's what my goal is. And that's been my goal since the beginning. It was never just to take part. It was like, have um, whether we have guys competing or not, we've got a good competition team. But yeah. I want anyone to walk in and train with one of my guys and go, oh, these guys are sharp. Yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed yeah. by your knowledge of jiu-jitsu no, as well. I and and um, Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Like, I don't, I'm not big on social media. I don't have a big following. So a lot of the guys in Australia don't really know. Like, yeah, I said today, you're the hidden gem. Yeah, you know? I appreciate that because yeah, that yeah. means a lot because um, I'm not here trying to, I'm not trying to do it for my own notoriety, but it is nice when people who know what's up kind of appreciate it. Cause, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I sit there at night, I finish teaching after teaching all day and all my students are gone and then I sit in the sauna and I do my recovery that we're talking about and I watch matches. Mm. I watch Gordon Ryan. I watch, you know... And, and half the reason is you're making the effort to come out come out and learn and actually put yourself up against some world-class competitors and yeah. a, lo- a lot of black belts that own academy, they won't leave their academy and they're just rolling with their students and that's enough for them. But mm. it's, it's good to see that you, you've made the effort to come out to New York and train in, in, in the room of Savages and you're doing really well like in that room as well. So Thanks, man. That's it's awesome. It's because yeah. you rock up and then you've got yeah, Savages yeah. like young purple belts <laughs> just fucking giving you a hard time. It's um, that's why a lot of guys won't do it because their ego can't handle yeah. that. But I, I'm happy for my ego to take a hit, and, and, and that's me how you get learn. better, yep. and me get better and better. Go back and help my guys, um, and it's it's beautiful. It's such a fucking beautiful thing, and uh, it's really awesome to meet you as well. I'm happy that we've met, and we'll we'll, we'll definitely keep in contact. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what's your what's the social media handle so people yeah. can follow you? So it's Isaac Michelle BJJ on on Instagram. Tell me how it's spelled, but because Isaac spelled funny. Yeah, right? yeah. So. Yeah, thanks, mum. So I Z double A K, and then Michelle M I C H E double L B J J. Michelle, Michelle, French. Is it actually French? Is that the background? Yeah, I think it actually is French. But I don't, you know. Have you done your twenty? You know that twenty three and me that Rogan always talks. No, I haven't done that. Do it, man. I did it. I got, I got given it as a gift. It's fucking awesome because you know it's like it costs like about ninety dollars or something. Um, I think the ancestry dot com is about a hundred bucks. I think the twenty three and me is maybe about. 150, 200. Yeah. So maybe tell, tell your mum you want it for Christmas or something. It's yeah. like a perfect I'm a, gift. Yeah, yeah, I might do it. Seriously, in the next few you know weeks. Exactly, like, it's really interesting. Yeah. You know exactly what your, uh, That's cool. your lineage Like, they'll tell you, you're, like, mine came back like 81% English, Irish. Um, it was basically like all Caucasian countries, like French, German, um, Scandinavian. There was like a few things. But yeah, it's actually quite interesting yeah, to yeah. know what your background is rather than, oh, we think your great grandma was from somewhere. Like, you actually know exactly what your genetics are yeah that, that would be cool to do for sure yeah um but yeah next three months is going to be adcc camp and we yep. s- me and craig started wrestling at a wrestling school in jersey yeah jersey happens to be like uh one yeah, like of the one of, for wrestling yeah one yeah. of the better known uh wrestlers um in the country so mm-hmm. that's awesome we got some wrestling shoes like the two aussies like because <laughs> historically australians suck at wrestling yeah like, i mean we have some wrestlers who are who are good but as an overall we're not known you wouldn't say high level wrestling and then go Australia like yeah. that's just not like in in our schooling there's no wrestling program I don't I don't know of one school that has no, wrestling in it we don't and even wrestling like let's say Sydney right there's realistically one place that I send people yeah. to there's a coach called Leonard who, who's really good and all the best wrestlers yeah. from Sydney train with him um, it's not it's not not that common we have like one wrestling school in Adelaide and it's out like way out in the country yep. sort of thing like nobody it's not popular nobody has an hour and a half it's to drive out there it's super difficult it's tough on your body wrestling's rough but now like if you want to compete at a high level 
nowadays in grappling. And win ADCC as well. If you want to win ADCC, you have to be able to wrestle. You have to wrestle, There is just no way around it. Like, if you you watch, if you go and watch the matches on Flow Grappling, if you're a millionaire and you can afford Flow Grappling, um, you have to be able to wrestle. So, yeah, you're doing the right thing. If you want to win... If you want to win ADCC, like for, for me, I, I'm really only taking submission grappling matches now. So I can go in there and I can sit to a guard and yeah. go to work. I'm not going to get penalized yeah. for that. But um, That's what Craig was doing for a long time yeah. as well. I mean, just, yeah. He, he really was competing well. in EBI and things like that. Yeah. Um, but now, yeah, he's got ADCC. So he's got it. Yeah. John's teaching us some really, really good wrestling for him mm-hmm. coming up from the guard, especially. Um, but just he's getting really in. focusing a lot on single leg stuff. Yeah, like yeah. That. A lot yeah. of um, high crutches. Yeah. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, you, I like that you're aspect. You're working on high crutches. Eh? I haven't seen John showing high crutches. Yeah, f- <coughs> a, f- a few um, coming up from the from the guard. Oh yeah, so, so if I refer to high crutch in wrestling, high crutch is head on the outside. Ah, coming yeah. up. So if you say high crutch to a wrestler, he'll he'll think you're saying head on the outside single. So yeah, high crutch is not referring necessarily to the grip. It's more so like the head position on the outside. Right, right. So. Um, John teaches predominantly head on the inside because the problem with high crutches is they're great in wrestling but anytime your head's on the outside in submission grappling so many guys are monsters at front headlock attacks that you put yourself into um, yeah. guillotines a lot so front headlock is like the worst to be in I hate it yeah. I don't know unless you're a really good wrestler I think wrestlers deal with it well mm. um, I think a lot of jiu-jitsu guys we don't deal with it well because from there they're going to attack you excessively with strangles they're going to go to your back Nothing good's coming no, out of that nothing position. Good. If you if you try to turn on your side, they're gonna take top side. You know, Josh Hinger will be in in, in the eighty eight division. That eighty eight divisions, fucking yeah, yeah. Talking about front headlock position. Exactly right. So let's say against jo- Josh Hinger, you'd be silly to shoot a high crutch on him. Yeah. You'd be silly to shoot a double on him. You would. You just got to be careful around. You got to be careful. Yeah. You know. You know. You got to use trips or throws or um. You know, countering off his entries or um. Because he he head snaps a lot. To, to pull guys into that front headlock position so you know it becomes tricky especially if you're a guy who's based a lot of your jiu-jitsu around you know guard play and working off your back and then all of a sudden you've got to work from these standing positions otherwise you're giving up points or nothing's going to happen it, it yeah it, it, it's a bad idea not to practice wrestling at all and then you know you can't submit the guy within the time limit oh and then you're stuck yeah because you, you're not allowed to pull guard once the points are um, once the overtime's on because they penalise you for pulling so but you know what I talked to Jason about this. Um, I actually think it's a it's a stronger strategy to take the penalty point and go to work off your back. That's what rather, the meows were doing for, yeah, for a number I actually, of years. They, yeah. I, think, I think personally it's a better idea because, yes, you take a penalty point, but at least now you can get to work. Mm. If you do shitty wrestling with the guy and he gets two on you because you're not as good a wrestler, well, then you're going to lose anyway. You know what I'm saying? Like You may as well take the penalty and, and go. That's if your wrestling can't match with mm-hmm. their wrestling, which it all comes into tactics, doesn't it? Yeah. I think, and I was talking to Jason about this, I want to see lots of competitions become more serious on stalling calls. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think even in Kasai, like, they're a little bit um, slow with it sometimes. Um, Craig's first match it was against uh, this uh, Brazilian guy, and um, he was just posting away, posting away, the whole match was running around on the outside of mm-hmm. the mat, the whole, the whole match, and it's just not exciting for anybody watching. Yeah. I well, mean... We, here's the thing, right? We, we train every day to grapple with each other. And then they get to a competition and their whole match is about not grappling. It yep. makes no sense to me. Like, if I'm in a, if I'm in a tournament with you, I will, I will say this to anyone that I'm going to compete against. I'm going to engage with you. Whether it's from bottom or top position, 
I'm going to engage. Yeah. I'm not going to be trying to disengage. And if the athletes want more money to get paid more, make it interesting. And all these people come to watch you, and yeah. then you run around the outside, and 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 nobody wants to see that. It's yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally agree. And I think the way we deal with that is is harsh stalling calls. I think um, you know, you stall once penalty, you stall again penalty, and if you do it again, I'm going to disqualify you. Mm. So guys will have to stop doing it. Um, what, what the other thing is they get up by two and then they're like well there's enough time there's a minute left I'll stall it should become look if I think you're stalling to try and just ride this match out I'll DQ you straight away yeah. like I think if we started a referee like that we would get some, a lot more exciting we'd matches we'd get more exciting matches more and, people and would come watch I'm more than happy to, for a guy to be DQ'd and the match finish like that if it makes the next five matches exciting because the guys realise wait a sec I can't play that mm. strategy and you know the guys who disagree with what I'm saying here probably come from an academy where you where you are uh, not to, matching up against yeah. well against these other styles, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it's tricky, but um, I hope we can get rid of that too because the idea is I love nothing more than just seeing people go at it. Like yeah. the best training, the best um, grappling you'll see is in the training room there at Henzo's. Yeah. There's yeah. no stalling. I think um, Gary Tonin, for example, he's put on some of the. The most exciting fight, yep. fights to watch ever, like 100%. him versus Pajaras uh, pa- was a great one well, to watch. That might be that's definitely the top three all ma- all time matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they just, they they're not afraid to get themselves involved in the I match. Mean, Gary is the extreme. He doesn't yeah. give a fuck. He will, and he does it in the training room. Yeah. He puts himself in the most horrendous positions. Yeah, he g- gives up his back. I've seen yeah. um, Gordon Ryan give up mount in a match mm-hmm. before just so he can get to yeah. someone's legs. And I think having that that comfort. If you can do like be that comfortable in competition, I think that's a, a really important thing. Like, I've had to check myself in recent times because I'm playing too safe, a bit like uh, like Eddie Cummings does, where it's like you can play super safe and not get submitted, but you might not open up enough to be able to force that guy so you can submit him. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a guy like Gary, he's never thinking, oh, if I do this, I might end up in a bad spot. He's just like, boom, I'm going. And I think that's a good mindset. Yeah, and as long as you've got the way the to do that is train in bad positions. Yeah. Put yourself in bad positions. Yeah, for yeah. sure. In training, put yourself in jujitsu. Put yourself in back strength. Mount back yeah. everything. And and so many people train to just work their best part of their game. Yeah, you know, back to what we're saying. People just do the same thing over and over. And that's one of the beauties of training with these guys is Danaher makes you do positional rounds every day. It's not just oh we've got a comp coming up we're going to do positional. It's every day. Every day you're going to be working from bad positions. Now that does two things. It makes you defensively better, but because each time you switch, it also makes you offensively better because you now get to spend the time in the offense. You know, if, if that guy's practicing his defense, you're practicing your offense. So yeah, for sure. It's a double-edged sword. It's not just practicing the defensive side. Yep. It makes perfect sense. Yep. And I I teach all my advanced classes like that. We do starting and mount. Yep. We do. Yeah. We do the positions. And I keep saying to the guys. I know this might be frustrating. You just want to go and do your open rounds. Everyone, it's kind of like I think single legs is a good one to start in as well. Yeah, it's, it's a good. It's good battle to have in the yeah, single leg, especially for ADCs, mm-hmm. CC type tournaments. But um, I keep explaining to the guys like open rounds are kind of like eating lollies. But if you eat them for for dinner every day, you're going to end up being a fat pig. Mm. With like I look at those positional rounds as like your veggies. Yeah, you, know, you might not want to do them, but they're going to make they're going to be good for you. It's a good way to look at it for yeah, sure. I totally, yeah, I totally look at it like that, and it's it's important. And, and a lot of people just aren't eating their veggies. You know, a lot of these gyms eat, eat your veggies. Yeah, eat your veggies, and it's you know what it can become very fun, and it becomes empowering. Like because I've trained that so much at the gym, I got here to Danaher's, and I get put in these bad positions 
um, underneath mount or my back and I feel I'm at home. It's like, oh, this is just another position. It's not like, oh, fuck, this is the end of my match. And for a lot of guys, that's it. That's the mindset. As soon as someone, as soon as some people, you can you can mentally break them, just by getting them into a bad position. As soon as you pass their guard and that turtle, yep. then the, the you you basically finish the match there. A lot of these guys, and I'm not even mentioning names, but there's guys like I watch the world championships, particularly in the gi, and you'll see these guys. They're, they're a world champion. They get their back. The guy gets a lapel, and they just tap before anything's even happened. It's like they just gave up. Mm. You're like. But like, you, you start in that position every day at training. It's just another position. Yeah, We're just you, going to you're work. You're going to be... Yeah, it's crazy. Mm, All right, anyway. there. So, um, again, you're on Instagram? Yep. Isaac? Isaac Michelle, Michelle BJJ. BJJ. Yep. Okay. And it's I-Z-A-A-K. Yeah, I-Z-A-K. You had to think about that. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Can I spell your name better than you can? Yeah. Um, cool, man. Thanks so much for chatting to us today. Um Hopefully people enjoy it and uh, thanks, man. I yeah, thank it. you very much. Good, you. good to see you and good to meet you down here in, no in New York. We'll, we'll get, we'll definitely get more training. Together. Awesome. awesome. When you're in Sydney, we'll. Uh, hey, when you're a world champion in like five years' time, we'll, we'll look back on this. And go, <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. He was a young kid then. Awesome. Cool, man. Oh, actually, before we go, I, um, thanks for listening, guys. Remember Sydney West Martial Arts. If you want to do training, if you're in the Sydney area, even if you're not in the Sydney area, come and train with us. Um, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook, Sydney West Martial Arts. And um, if you want to learn leg locks, yeah, I, will, I mean, we do more than just leg locks, but if you want to learn leg locks, I can definitely show it's good funny, from the back as well. People think um, when you get good at leg locks, people start to think that's all you know. The leg like, lock guy, yeah. In competition, I, I was winning a lot by leg locks, but I'm like, I know more than leg locks. Yeah. It's just such an easy way too, to win. Yeah, it's, it's too easy to win like if you, if you know. People would say Craig Jones, oh, he knows leg locks, but yeah. try wrestling with Craig. You could take leg locks out. He's going to strangle you. He's For sure, yeah, yeah. So um, more than just leg locks, but definitely if you want to know how to leg lock well, um, most people have no idea. So um, come train with us. And uh, thanks to Endless Combat, those guys um, look after us with their gear. So um, jump on their website if you want to uh, grab in their stuff.